You're listening to the Mum Drum Podcast, motherhood to a different beat. Hi, and welcome back to the Mum Drum. I'm Amy Fellman. And I'm Dr. Nicole Hyde. And today on the show, we're chatting with Renee and Stevie. Renee and Stevie describe themselves as two mums battling postnatal depression, one coffee at a time. They have come together and formed a deep connection based on their mutual struggles and have since built a community to support other women going through similar journeys to their own. Renee and Stevie, so awesome to have you here today chatting with us on The Mum Drum. Thanks for coming in. Thank you. We would love to start, before we get into your individual journeys, just by hearing about how you guys first met and what really connected you. The love story. Tell us about it. Okay, all right, our love story. So basically, I'd moved to a uh, small town. I knew no one. Uh, We had to move there for work. And basically, I just did a little bit of um, Facebook post to try to find a a community of mums. So I was 34 weeks pregnant, I think. So new to the area, pregnant, knew no one, jumped on Facebook, started chatting to some local sort of um, mum groups. And I um, noticed that Stevie had popped a little comment on there and I, I, I did it. I did the old uh, Facebook stalk and thought, she looks like a lot of fun. She's pregnant. We look like we're around the same due date. Mm-hmm. And um, I creepily um, went in and sent her a little private message. And that's basically how the love story happened. We had a little blind date, like a little pregnancy <laughs> blind date. <laughs> yeah. like... I'm pregnant, me too. That, yeah. Yeah. And then from there, it was just, yeah, really nice. Yeah, yeah. that was our little love story. Blossomed. Fabulous. Yeah. That's great. An instant bond. Instant yeah. yeah, and our yeah. boys are two weeks apart too, so it's been really nice for the boys to mm. connect and... Be forced best friends. Yeah. Yeah. And when you first met, was there something about your openness or your willingness to share with each other that kind of really solidified things early? Um... Well, back then, I think we more so had a phone relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we had all these plans to go and do like pregnancy yoga and walks on the beach. And I think we just ate a lot of food instead, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember our second meetup that we were meant to have, I being an open sharer person that I am, yeah. I was like, sorry, I actually can't meet up today for lunch. I'm actually in labor. Mm-hmm. She's like, oh, that's okay. Like, why are you message me? messaging me? I'm like, I'm not dying. I'm just in labor. Like, it's fine. Like, I'm all good. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we didn't really have... The connection didn't really start for us until the boys were born. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just a little, a little friendship. And then it just blossomed and morphed into this really strong bond that we've mm-hmm. got now. So, yeah. So, Renee, can we then start by hearing a bit about your personal yeah. journey? Yeah. So you experienced sort of depression during your pregnancy yeah. that wasn't picked up. Yeah. Can you tell us yes. about that? So at the time I had no idea. Mm. Um, I kept using the words and sometimes still even to this day, I use the same words that I w- I'm trapped. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I was pregnant, I, you know, I couldn't wakeboard. I couldn't surf. I couldn't climb a mountain i couldn't bungee jump i had a very extreme lifestyle before i was pregnant Mm -hmm. so when i became pregnant you know i I couldn't do all of those things that made me me Mm -hmm. um so that was a real struggle and looking back now i think that's when it all started and i remember specifically saying in my antenatal classes to one of the midwives there "I, i don't have a connection 
I, I know that I've got this ginormous belly and I, I was absolutely huge, but I have no connection whatsoever to, mm. to this baby. You know, everyone else in the class was like, oh, like singing to their little baby and their mm. little belly. And I, I was the one that was like accidentally hitting the car door on my, my stomach because I had no connection. I didn't, like I was hopeless. I had no connection. And yeah, looking back now, I think that's when the disconnect started was mm. when I was pregnant. So, and it didn't get picked up at all. That was sort of like my, can someone please tell me if this is mm-hmm. normal or not? Right. And yeah, they were like, oh, that's fine. Some people do, some people don't. Mm-hmm. But I wish that someone would have gone, hang on a minute, let's just look at this a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But they didn't. So were you ever asked any questions by your health professional in pregnancy um, around how you've been feeling and looking at whether you might be experiencing any distress no. or no no yeah. nothing definitely afterwards yes like every appointment that i went to after mm. yes yeah i swear they had like a questionnaire that i had to fill out every single time but during you were never nothing asked. Yeah. nothing yeah was it confusing for you because we're not often thinking about what happens in that pregnancy mm. antenatal period you know and everybody expects us to be just so excited radiant radiant yeah yeah so was it confusing were you kind of going Mm. well I'm different to other people but yeah I think when I first fell pregnant Mm. like all I ever wanted to be was a mom like Mm -hmm. my actually I read a post this morning from 2015 on my Facebook saying Mm. you know another year another mother's day where I'm not a mom and I still get emotional about it Mm -hmm. because all I've ever wanted to be was a mom Mm. and um yeah so when I fell pregnant I had um, witnessed a lot of my girlfriends because I was one of the last of my like friends from school to have a baby. A lot of them had gone through miscarriages. And for some reason, for me, I just thought that was going to be on the cards for me. Mm-hmm. Even though I'd never fallen pregnant before, let alone had a miscarriage, I just did not want to be excited about being pregnant because of the thought of losing a, a baby. Adjust. It mm. was so weird. I had never experienced that, but maybe seeing my friends... I had this in the back of my mind that I was going to have a miscarriage. That it could happen. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I told my mum and dad, don't get excited, don't buy the baby anything. No one was allowed to be excited for me. It was, yeah, it was really odd. So did you feel alone during that time? Because you, you, you said you reached out or you put it out there, mm. so to speak, hoping that someone would, pick would explore it. it with you, pick, mm. up, pick up on it, but that didn't happen. Yeah, I think I just thought, oh, this is just how it's meant to be. As you do as a mum, oh, I must just be feeling the way that it's, I'm meant to feel. Mm. So I think it was just like pushed aside by others. And I was like, oh, okay, we'll just push it aside then. Mm. Five months later, we shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we get to five months later. So during that time, there was, there was no help. There was no sort of name for what you were experiencing. Mm. Yeah. You thought it was normal. Yeah. And everyone else was telling you it was normal. Yeah. So what happened five months later? What was the event or what Um, led you to say, actually something is wrong? Well, I think, you know, the whole baby blues thing Mm -hmm. where you cry. Um, So I had to um, have injections for six weeks after for like a Clexane injection or something to help with my blood. I had the same thing. It was so stupid. I was like, I'm fine, but okay. Okay. Um, So I started crying every afternoon Mm. at 4 p.m. because Mm -hmm. I had to have that stupid injection. Okay. So I thought it was that. So I'm a person that if there's a problem, I... I put a reason to it. Mm. So I was like, oh, that's the reason. And then it just sort of continued. The injection stopped, but the crying continued. 
Um, and, you know, that newborn stage, everything's just a bit of a fog. And I think, yeah, once Fletcher was five months old and the fog had lifted, so to speak, I was like, whoa, this is really real and mm. there's no escaping this. Mm. <laughs> and then the fog just sort of came back in and the fog didn't lift for another year and a half. It was mm. nearly two years that mm. I battled through the the struggles. So it, I, don't, I don't know what happened. Do you remember what there happened? There were a lot of excuses <laughs> made like... Oh yeah, um, that's right. Like Renee and Fletcher didn't make it to Roman's first oh, birthday. She always <laughs> talked, I feel so bad. And just little things like we'd really plan, we'd really both plan to, let's just, let's just get out today. Let's just go for a little walk. Oh, actually, I'm, I can't today or I, whereas mm. Renee was someone, even though she was feeling that way, she almost needed someone to pull her out of it. Yeah. We were toxic. We, we said this. We, we were toxic were a for each toxic other. toxic friendship for the first year because we weren't quite understanding where we were both at too. Mm -hmm. And it was funny. Like, yeah, she did need the, the lifting out I of it. I needed someone to drag me out of the house. Mm -hmm. To stay put and just, like, try and figure out what was going on. And mm -hmm. so we, were, we couldn't really mm -hmm. help each other we couldn't. then too. It, it, it's an odd, odd friendship. But mm -hmm. Look at us now. But... Mm -hmm. I would ring or, I'm so sorry, Stevie, I just, I can't today. Mm -hmm. And because she understood how I was feeling, she's like, it's okay. Mm -hmm. I get it. I understand. Where mm -hmm. I needed her to go, no, I'm coming around. I don't care if I have to dress you. Mm -hmm. You're getting out of the house mm -hmm. today. Mm -hmm. Where I didn't, I didn't have that from Stevie. Mm -hmm. um, but I needed that. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, we were just trying to, I guess, understand each other's problems and be there and not push each other and not push buttons that were already sensitive I guess yeah. but there were a lot of excuses of yeah. not um, catching up or not doing this or not making it to a, mm -hmm. an, an event or first birthday party yeah. mm -hmm. <laughs> or brushing my teeth or brushing mm -hmm. my yeah. hair or getting dressed or eating mm -hmm. I got down to 47 kilos I just right. didn't eat because I just didn't feel worthy I didn't feel enough I just I just existed to exist mm -hmm. So it's pretty horrible. Wow. Mm. Yeah. So do you mind if I just ask you a bit more about mm. that, just to get that sense of sort of what you're experiencing mm. day to day? Like what kinds of things were you thinking? Oh, it was, oh yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm an oversharer. If it's going to help someone, yeah. I'm more yeah. than happy to, to share my story. Um, but basically, I'll probably get a bit upset, but that's all right. Um, I didn't want to live. I, I wrote my letters. I had a plan. Mm. Um, which actually had flaws in it, which actually really makes me mad because I should have had that better. Um, but you're not thinking straight. You can't think properly. Exactly. When you're really exactly. Depressed. So, yeah, I just I just wanted it all to to end. I and even now I sometimes get these messages from from our Mum Hub Collective followers that that message in and they're like, I feel so silly. This is how I'm feeling. This is what I'm thinking. I just feel so stupid. And you know, there were times where. I remember I was sitting out the front of my house and there was a green ant and it bit me. And I had this thought that I was on a green ant's nest and all these green ants were just attacking me and I ended up dying. Like, this is the weird stuff that I used to think of. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, the lady that reached out and messaged me and, and said, this is what I'm feeling. I'm like, it's, it's okay. Like, mm -hmm. I know you sound like a crazy person right now, but mm -hmm. it's, it's okay, like we all have these sort of thoughts. 
obviously some of them I wasn't acting on, which was good, but at least you're reaching out and you're asking for help or, you know, getting clarification that other people have thought these crazy thoughts before. Mm. So, yeah, I was just thinking just really weird thoughts, ways to escape um, because I just kept feeling trapped. Yeah. So it was just, I was like fantasizing, a lot of fantasizing about escaping. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like my, my husband would get home and he'd say, you know, sometimes the lights were on but no one was home kind mm-hmm. of thing. And then sometimes he'd get home and he's like, I did not know what I was walking home yeah, walking to. Into. Yeah. And I remember Stevie came over one day and we both cried because she's like, Renee, I don't, you know, I don't know if my best friend's going to be alive tomorrow. Like, mm. oh, yeah, it was so hard. Mm. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It was pretty horrible. So you got through it. Yeah. And how? Yeah. How? I, I guess I have that personality where you just don't give in. Okay. Thank God I've got that personality yeah. because if I didn't, I think it would be a very different story. Mm. So, I just got that that courage and that strength from the people around me. Somehow, they they just had a hold on me, just a, li- a little by like a little thread. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just I tried everything. I went to doctors, psychiatrists, psychologists. I hated the fact that I was on medication, but I went no. I obviously need that at mm-hmm. this point in time to just clear the fog. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to healing retreats. I tried like a naturopath I tried acupuncture I I tried every like everything cognitive behavioral therapy like just everything I just did Mm. not want to give in without knowing that I I gave it a good good crack yeah yeah but I'm so grateful that I did like I look at little Fletcher now and we have such an amazing bond and I just know that you know I'll never get that time back Mm -hmm. so I just need to make like the most of everything (laughs) And you're still here now, and that's something yeah. really precious to celebrate. And, yeah. Um, yeah. And what what a journey you've been through, and you know, amazing that you <laughs> have come through the other oh, end. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was a horrible time, but it yeah, as yeah. horrible as it was, like I'm. It sounds weird, but I'm really grateful that mm. me as a person with the personality that I do, I had that to be able to help others. Yeah. And. You know, I, that's, that is my goal and my aim in life is just to, you know, help people not experience the, the depth of what I did like that. I was, I was rock bottom. I remember I rang a doctor's um, surgery one day and said, can I get an appointment? Rah, rah. And he specialized in postnatal depletion. Yeah. And they said, oh, it's in October 18th. And I said, I'm not going to be here by then. Yeah. Like that. It was rock bottom. Yeah. But now I just, I just know that. You know, that's why I'm here. Like, I'm here to help other people and to spread the word and, you know, stop that stigma of, mm. you know, not talking about it. Yeah. We're here to talk about yeah. it and to make it okay. Mm. And that not talking about it, do you think that... So you had the period during your pregnancy of feeling stuck and, mm. and isolated. Do you feel like if that had been picked up then, that the trajectory of what, what happened afterwards might have been yeah. different? I don't think... You know what, I think it probably would have still happened to some extent Mm -hmm. um but i don't think it would have been as bad it would have been managed there and i'm i'm a planner i've got you know i'm a list girl i Mm -hmm. need to know where i'm going there needs Mm. to be goals so if if that was set yeah it would have been i think a yeah different story Mm. but i think it still would have happened but just not to the level that it did Mm. so Mm. are you back wakeboarding 
No. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, no, but um, I feel like I have got a lot more of myself back. Yep. I just, yeah. Fletcher's at a different together. age now. Newborns are boring for me. Like, that's just my personality. Yeah. Where Stevie was like, this is so great. Like, look at them. And I'm like, move. Like, <laughs> do something. Do something. Do something. Yeah, yeah, just totally different personalities. <laughs> so, no, I, I will be. I, I will definitely get back to my adventurous life. Yeah. Just right now, it's, you know. When you're ready. Fletcher and I mm. and mm-hmm. making up for lost time. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nicole, Mm. can you tell us a little bit, I mean, you've got so much experience working with women who have been through similar journeys and experiences. So can you tell us a bit about how Renee's experience Yeah, so how does Renee's experience uh, Absolutely. Look, we know that uh, depression is very common in pregnancy and even more so in the postnatal period. Mm. So we know that in Australia, up to one in 10 women will experience depression in pregnancy. But it's very common that uh, we put the signs and symptoms down to just being part of pregnancy or just being part of having a baby. Um, It's just the hormones, it's just this, it's just that. Um, And I think it's interesting that you didn't get asked any questions by your health professional in pregnancy, which is what national guidelines recommend so that we can identify these conditions early, but also not just the identification and to get treatment, but also to educate you at the same time about what what is this? You know, what are these symptoms that I'm experiencing? And actually it is part of something else and there is treatments available. Um, You also described, Renee, you know, very common signs and symptoms. So that fog, people often talk about that fog and that heavy feeling, Um, not being able to have the capacity to go out and do something or um, meet up with each other because you just don't have the energy. Mm. Um, How it affected your thinking, having quite bizarre thoughts and negative thoughts, uh, and that continuing on to the point that you had very negative thoughts, even to the point of there seemed like no way out and you even thought of self-harm or suicide. Um, And this is, unfortunately, we know that in uh, around 74% of cases, women don't get help early for anxiety or depression Mm. until they reach crisis point. Um, And unfortunately, when you do go to reach crisis point, you couldn't get an appointment when you needed it. So that's why we need to be talking about these conditions so we can identify them early, the signs and symptoms, we can put a name to it, understand that it's it's no one's fault, it's not a bad reflection of me as a person or as a mother, um, and having the confidence that you can get through it um, and the different types of treatment that are important. Uh, so, you know, obviously with quite severe depression, you needed to look at medical treatments or yeah. medications. Um, all the treatments and talking therapies in the world are not going to be able to be effective um, if you have that moderate to very severe depression. Yeah, you can't think straight. If you're in the fog, yeah, absolutely. it's hard to participate. Yeah. In the same way as if you had diabetes, you need mm. to get that managed with insulin before you yes. can walk to whatever to do the next thing. Yeah. So we need to um, replenish our bodies with whatever it needs to then benefit from other treatments yeah. or begin the recovery process. Mm. So unfortunately, Amy, you know, Renee's experiences textbook <laughs> fairly well common um, and at different at different points people get help um, yeah. you know sadly you know it took so long before you get help mm. sadly you didn't receive um, the information in pregnancy which mm. could have you know stopped that going to this the extreme that it did go to mm. um, 
but you know that's why we're having these conversations now so that we can raise awareness and really yeah. uh, get the message out there and make real people realize that these things are common mm. yeah one in seven women will have postnatal depression mm. one in ten in pregnancy so two of us here you're not alone <laughs> and uh, there's lots of other mums out there who'll be going through something similar mm. but they can't necessarily put their finger on it because they haven't heard the information to say that's what I'm yeah. going through. Don't have the education. Yeah. Can I ask a quick question? Absolutely. Yeah. How do you identify the difference between baby blues and postnatal? Mm. So that's a really good question. So the baby blues is technically it's that period just post the birth. So if usually in the before the 10, 10, 10 days after birth. Okay. And it's very much um, the shift in hormones. Yeah. It's feeling teary and emotional, mm. um, but it passes on its own, uh, just needs support and understanding. And um, short too, like only a few days A very days short period usually. of time. Okay. And it's really just the teary and emotional feelings. Whereas depression wouldn't be diagnosed till at least usually four to six weeks after birth mm -hmm. uh, when other things have settled down. Yeah. Um, also, there's a wider range of symptoms for depression. So not only f the way you're feeling, so often feeling teary and emotional, but also um, other behaviours like lack of interest in things, not going out, not being able to get through the day, their symptoms of depression, mm. um, the way that you're thinking, uh, having distorted thoughts, looking at everything in a very negative way, it affects your thinking, um, as well as your feelings. Um, feeling negative, not feeling any pleasure, not being able to get any joy out of anything. Uh, so it's a much more complex range of thoughts, feelings and behaviours, mm -hmm. as opposed to baby blues, which is short-lived and really just that overly overly emotional feeling which yeah. goes away on its own. Yeah, yeah. I've got you, don't worry. <laughs> no, we get a few, I'll be, I'll be looking out we for get you. a few mums message us just saying, I don't mm. know if it's the baby blues or if it's postnatal, yeah. and we always just say that like, no, we're not the professionals, but the please yeah. go and speak to your GP or someone because you know it you can help prevent mm. and it is um, misunderstood quite yeah. often I've even come across people who six months later they're so very the depressed blues. saying oh yeah. I'm just it's the baby blues because yeah. we've heard about the baby blues everyone's telling us that's normal 80% of women experience the baby blues so people are putting it down to that yeah. um, once again it's the education yeah it's, and yeah. looking yeah. at everything in the context of where you're at mm. uh, but often certainly if it's after that you know, after that one month period mm -hmm. and those feelings are sustained, it's more likely to be depression, mm -hmm. yeah. postnatal depression. Mm -hmm. Good question. <laughs> Very good question. <laughs> and, you know, we're talking about language and language around these kind of issues and how that might help women uh, in terms of the baby blues. Um, there's often not a lot talked about anxiety. Mm -hmm. uh, there's been a real focus more so on depression out there. Mm. So. Stevie, I know you were diagnosed with postnatal yep. depression, yep. But, but looking back on reflection, you feel like you experienced anxiety during your pregnancy and probably in the postnatal period as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah? Yeah. I, I definitely think I had signs of um, depression mm -hmm. um, and I, I recognised these things quite early because I had suffered in my teenage years with depression and anxiety too. So. Okay. Um, but I think the anxiety has always been something that's a little bit more full on in my life. Even to today, I still suffer with um, anxiety, mm -hmm. but have learned to kind of maintain it and manage. Yeah, manage mm -hmm. it. And mm -hmm. I think because I am very aware and I'm not someone who 
like Renee was in denial for a long time. Mm. Um, and I have yeah. been lucky to have a lot of support around me too, to help me. Like your mum. Yes. That was really, yeah, really. My mum suffered um, with postnatal depression and probably anxiety mm-hmm. um, with a few of my siblings. And even before we had, any of us had children, um, she, she was very open and talked to us about mm. that. So I, I could understand the science a lot earlier. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yep. And just for um, our viewers, can you describe for us what anxiety feels like? I think my biggest thing was not being in control of mm-hmm. anything in my life. Um, so I, I, looking back, I did suffer with it um, during my pregnancy. I had a really good job. Um, with my own business and was quite unwell and I had to finish up, move interstate, move home. I wasn't working um, and that even being the main thing where I wasn't in control of my life. It wasn't in control of finances and being able to work and organise my day. And similar to Renee, I'm very, um, I work by... Appointment, pretty much. Yeah, well, yeah, (laughs) my business, but I work by um, checklists, basically. Mm -hmm. And... So that really got me. My dad was actually one who noticed a lot um, and very similar to this pregnancy too when I had to do the same thing, finish my business. My dad was the, probably one of the first people who reached out to me and said, I can see the same thing happening. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, just going into once my son was born, um, there were a lot of changes early into when he was born too that I just couldn't grip my hands on and just be in control of the whole situation. That was really hard for me, not as a controlling person, but I think for my own life to find that balance too. Mm. Yeah. So how did it change you? What were you doing differently? Oh, it was very overwhelming and I felt um, very stuck, like Renee had Mm. said, Um, but I was almost at the point of um, self-sabotage and relationship sabotage Mm. and just nothing was going right and if it wouldn't go right I had to try and figure out a way and it usually wasn't the right way around it yeah. but trying to get that clarity in my mind mm-hmm. how I used to be able to do that um yeah it was it was a real muddle because yeah I just wasn't that that's the main thing that we can think of is just mm-hmm. I wasn't in control mm-hmm. and you were up and down remember I had how very like high the figure highs, of eight very high highs okay. and I was very heightened at times and everything would seem fine and then my lows it would just get Mm. too overwhelming and that's probably when the depression side kicked in Mm. too um but it was yeah it was I was very good at hiding it because a lot of the times I was very heightened yeah okay um and then it would just get too much and then it just kind of she'd just like retreat like back home and you're like oh she's having a low yeah well it's exhausting isn't it because you're trying to control everything and manage everything yeah um, so anxiety absolutely can be exhausting. Yeah. Plus when you're pregnant and yes. um, it can be absolutely exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. We also felt like sometimes when you did go and see your doctor or psychiatrist or psychologist, sometimes you'd feel a little bit somewhat silly going there because when you mine was like day. a figure of eight as well. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, top of the world, I'm dying, top of the world. It was yeah. just, it really was that figure of eight. So sometimes you'd go to your appointment and you're like, I'm not so bad oh, I today. I feel so yeah. silly yeah. being here. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. You, yeah, and you'd sort of leave and you're like, well, that was a waste of time. Mm-hmm. And then another time you'd be in your real low and you think, why can't they I just come to my house? I can't, mm-hmm. yeah. I can't even get out of the house, yeah. let alone yeah. go to a, an appointment. Mm-hmm. Like, can someone brush my hair? <laughs> like it was, yeah, the really figure of eight. We both had that. And 
we both were talking about this. Stevie was here and I was at the bottom of the figure yes. of eight and then we'd like, we'd swap and it would, it was bad. Like, so when, <laughs> when one of us were feeling really good, the other one had a down day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, we just couldn't. We had a weird relationship. It's, inc <laughs> it's incredible, isn't it? How your friendship maintained and mm. and Evolved did support that, each yeah. other through mm. that, in spite of those differences. Yeah. Mm. I'm yeah, just so lucky, really... so lucky no. to have her. <laughs> and so, Stevie, can I ask, if were you asked questions around emotional health during your pregnancy? Yes. So you I had a very good GP. Mm. Yeah. Um, even to this day, she's still very supportive. Um, always checks up on me. Um, always asked. I was lucky to have my parents too, mm. my mum especially, um, my GP. Um, I had. I was with a program after Roman was born called. I don't know if you have it here. Sustaining New South Wales Families. Mm. Well, we have. So it's quite New South Wales specific. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, I don't know if they have sustaining families yeah. anywhere else, but yeah. um, um, basically, a community midwife comes. Usually, they come to your house the first. I don't know month or something. Yeah, oh, we do. She, yeah, she mm. would come to visit. me. For the first two years, um, I was so, the so first jealous. Six weeks, she came <laughs> weekly. The first six months, fortnightly, and then every month up to two years. So she would wow. be checking on my child's yeah. health, um, you know, weight measurements, but mm. also would sit down with me. It was a two-hour appointment, and would go through everything. How I'm feeling would would pass on referrals if I had a sore back. Would refer me to a physio. Mm -hmm. um, would refer me to psychologists. Um, I had I went through separation with my partner at the time. Would help me with family um, councils, and, councils and things like that. Mm -hmm. So that was re a really great support, um, great support mm -hmm. that I'm really thankful for. Did you have um, that though, because they acknowledged that you had? Yes. Yeah. So prior to, I think about six weeks before Roman was born, they actually came around. I think the hospital, your, your initial midwife appointment at the hospital, they always talk about how you're feeling. And they kept that me kind of in the red light zone and kind of watched me through my pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Um, and then at the end they said, yep, let's, let's meet up with this, this organization or mm -hmm. this community mm -hmm. group and, um, yeah, m kind Support of you. supported me all through mm. there, which was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is a really interesting point because New South Wales actually, when it comes to it around screening and assessment is probably now the lead state. Yeah. So, um, it's probably the only state that most universally does screening antenatally as well mm -hmm. as postnatally. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it's pretty hit and miss yeah. in the other states, particularly antenatally. Mm -hmm. um, it's also important that, you know, the screening covers um, not only looking at whether you might be experiencing symptoms of anxiety or depression at the time, but also your risk. And you indicated a number of risk factors. Mm. So, uh, for example, you talked about having a family history of anxiety mm. and depression with your mum. Yeah. That is a risk factor. Yeah. Uh, the fact that you personally had, had um, experienced anxiety or depression, that is a risk factor. Um, the significant changes to your life, so the change in your job and your identity, that is a significant risk factor. So all of these things are part of that assessment to identify, hang on, this lady's at risk and we need to put the supports in place. Um, so it's important that at a health professional level and as a system and a government that we're identifying the risk, but it's also important and empowering for women to understand, am I someone who is at risk? Yeah. And um, what supports can I put in place or services can I access? But unless you know that stuff, yeah. you don't really know if you are at risk. Yeah. And um, that's why screening looks at both your risk as well as developing the symptoms. Yeah. 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 And I think, especially with this pregnancy, from 
going through what I had been through too, I'm very open about it. We're both very open Mm. about our feelings. And so if I'm having a bad day or even if I had a bad day three weeks ago and I met up with my GP, I'm saying, this is what's happening. Like, Mm. and I, I want to be able to voice that because I know how it has been even before pregnancy, my teenage years, I, I didn't want to go through that. And this time around, my doctor said, look, I think, you know, you're still at high risk of going through the same thing this yeah. time after. Yeah. And she's looking at plans to put in place. Yeah, putting things in place. Yeah. So you've come together fighting postnatal depression, one coffee at a time. And anxiety. But we don't, <laughs> actually, but we don't actually drink coffee. Oh, yeah. <laughs> don't, tell not that. For don't tell anyone that. <laughs> <laughs> but this leads us into the uh, the Mum Hub Collective. Yeah, That's yeah. yes, because um, you came together basically to help other mums. You were saying before this is now your passion, help other mums, support other mums, reduce stigma, and uh, encourage real conversations. So tell us about the Mum Hub Collective. You go, Stevie. Okay. This is your well, moment. Well, originally it was actually just for Renee and I um, to get out of the house, mm-hmm. and we just thought, what's something that we could do? Just just something that we both enjoy eating. We went to cafes Food. and then we thought, well, we have to bring our boys. <laughs> we have to fit. bring them. We, we have, have to, to bring the boys. We not home at the time. <laughs> um, and then we found, you know, cafes we were going to weren't, didn't have a ramp for prams or didn't have enough space for prams or parking. Change tables. Here. Yeah. So we started doing, we just made our um, Mum Hub Collective page as a cafe review, basically just for mm. us to review local cafes that were mum and bub friendly. We got a little following at the time, which was nice. And then we started doing little posts about how we were feeling. And Real talk. And it was, it was again, cold. mostly just for us, I think to like a diary for ourselves, just mm. to look over it and go, this is how we're feeling that day. We feel way better today. Or yeah. Yeah. And then we started getting more people, more people started following us and, you know, voicing how they were feeling mm. and well thank you so much like that i'm feeling so exactly the same as I'm this not alone. Yeah. i'm not alone yeah. like i yeah and then our, we had a meet up which we didn't know how it would go it was probably the first six months or something mm. we thought we were going to get about 30 people to it i rang the um restaurant or the cafe and said look i think there might be 30 people we had 120 women wow. turn up wow. with kids yeah, yeah. and we just we were just so yeah. overwhelmed just we were the okay on the day they knew about us mm. and wanted to support but also um you know walking away we had women a group mm. i remember this group of women yes. came to renee there was about six friends and they all said to renee oh. <laughs> they all said we had all suffered and none mm. of us knew and we've been friends since high school and they, and they all... sat in the group that day and just talked and about yeah it. talked about their experiences and they were like hugging each other and mm. they're like you know our friendship is so much stronger and we know more about each other and it was just I was okay on the day like I was so I was like yes I'm so good I'm holding it together and then when we got home I just I cried and cried and cried like it was so empowering and so just rewarding uh, even just knowing that it just felt so nice to help yeah it just yeah and people don't need to go through and suffer like you but suffer yeah. in silence yeah. just, yeah. just tell mm. us they don't have to tell the world like we do just even if they want to just message us privately and say mm. you know what i wanted to lock myself in the cupboard today while my kid watched abc kids for five hours <laughs> we're not going to judge you yeah. we're not there to judge mm. so what are your plans for the mum hub collective mm. what's next well I, I had a shower thought as you know the best. all entrepreneurs do just in the shower I want to create a 
a website, a directory that has all of the listings throughout Australia for mum and bub friendly cafes. So first of all, I want to start off with cafes. The worst thing is when you're in Melbourne, you've got a three-year-old kid who likes to throw the sugar around the cafe <laughs> and you're looking around and there's hipster cafes around. Mm -hmm. You don't really feel comfortable uh, going into those sorts of cafes. They're great when you don't have kids. Um, so in that listing, it will have, you know, prams, if it's easily accessible by a pram, like parking options, food options, whether they're um, like, so your dietary stuff, so gluten, dairy, um, vegan, vegetarian, all that sort of stuff. And then change tables and high chairs. All the practical things all the that things parents that need, need to, to know. know. And yeah. it's yeah. not just for mums, it's for, you know, if, if the dad, you know, wants to go on a little dad date, yeah. then, you know, they can jump on the website and have a look or grandparents, just anyone making their life easier. Cause when yeah. we had the postnatal depression and there was no change table for me, that was the end of the world. Overwhelming. It yeah. was too hard yeah. for me to get out of the house. And then I had to deal with that to someone who didn't have that mindset they would be like we'll just chuck them in the back of the car it's okay but for me i was like this is why i don't go out see it's too hard yeah. rah, rah, and you rah. feel like you're not wanted like yeah in a way there's an unspoken yeah. language that you're not welcome here yeah yeah the reason that we we i guess in the end chose cafes is not because we well it is because we love eating out that's true but also the yeah. fact that it's so easy for a woman to call her girlfriend meet it's at a cafe community talk over a coffee and just talk about problems and that's yeah. what we really wanted yeah so to have something like a directory like this where you know a woman is really suffering and just says i just need or her girlfriend says meet me here we need to get out of the house and we know that this is a safe space we mm. can go there it's got all the facilities that we need it's not too hard basket mm. um, and like so at the start it will start with cafes and who knows down the track it might morph into you know hair salons mm. because the worst thing is when you want to get your hair done and little Jimmy or little Sally is sick and they can't go to daycare and you have to take them to the appointment and you feel like you can't mm. then that's like we make enough sacrifices in life as parents sacrificing my hair appointment <laughs> um so just trying to create that that feeling of it's okay you're welcome mm. you're welcomed here this is a space for you and your bub or even if you want to leave them at home you know you can with a carer oh, okay. you can um <laughs> you can um you know you can go there it's about making um you know the the local cafes as well they're supporting local people we're supporting local businesses um, we're going to do meetups like the first one that we did where we had 120 women we do them maybe quarterly um, so you know if a cafe wants to have a meetup on a Wednesday afternoon from two to three because that's a quiet time for them they can mm -hmm. pop a thing up on Facebook we can pop a thing up as a as an invite for an event get some women there and you know make a little community yeah. event and it's all about building the village isn't it which of course is yeah. a protective factor and yeah. about you know making us feel connected and making us not feel alone yeah. Yeah. Um, mm. yeah. absolutely do you have any other questions no i think no? that's been a fantastic uh insight into both of your stories and it's so wonderful how you've come together for what to such a lovely outcome. Totally. It's ended up Is there good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're you, still here. <laughs> yeah. And you have a, an impending birth as well, so it's yes. all really exciting. Yes. I'm living my life through Stevie. <laughs> yeah. 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 This is my child, but not actually. It's kind of weird, but no, 
it's not. <laughs> the village. It's the, the village. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So anything else you might like to share with our viewers? You know, any uh, any advice, pearls wisdom. of wisdom? Just if you wanna if you wanna follow some real moms that you know don't clean the room before they take a photo. Um, you know, we take photos of our children wrapped around our ankles while we're on the toilet. That's us. <laughs> you know, we're real. So if you're feeling you know, like there's a lot of Instagram mums out there who, mm. who look the part. I mean, yes, we've got makeup on today. We went all out. We may have woken up like four hours early. Um, but if, yeah, if you want to follow some real mums who just tell, tell it how it is. Mm. Um, and, you know, we can be that safe space for you. You don't have to, like mm. I was saying before, you don't have to tell the world about your struggles. But don't, please don't suffer in silence. Or pretend they don't exist. Mm. We're, we're here. Mm -hmm. Don't ever disregard your feelings. They're important. Um, they make you a better mum. If you're not okay, then your relationship with your bubba and your, your partner, whoever it might be, you're not going to be okay. So, mm -hmm. yeah, you're number one. And, yeah, I always... I'm a, I'm a very, I guess, selfish person when it comes to that, but I can be now. You know, I, I had two years of postnatal depression and I'm never going through that ever again. And I'm here now to help other people and I am going to be selfish and put myself first and my emotions because... I need that to be okay for Fletcher and my partner and Stevie and mm. look after her with her little bubba as well and make sure that she's okay during this period in her life as well. So, mm. yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, same as Renee. I just think that it's really important to be, not everyone is an open book, but I think even just journaling those bad days and taking it to your GP and saying, this is how mm. I've been feeling or just t telling someone, you don't have to mm. tell everyone, just tell one person. And it'll be safe, but that at least you can get the help that you need. Yeah. So important. Yeah. Renee, Stevie, thank you so much for chatting with us on the Mum Drum today. Thank yeah, you. your thank generosity has been a pleasure. Thanks. <laughs> You've been listening to the Mum Drum podcast. Watch or listen at mumdrum.org.au.